name of the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. We are so excited to jump into the word for today. We are still on our uh, series called Masterpiece in Progress. This is episode number 11. We're almost done. Um, and so we are just excited to have this opportunity to have done this survey of the book of Ephesians uh, to provide you with some insight and some practical application for your life in order to go forward to what God has called for you to do. And so as we jump in there today, I just want to remind you that uh, a masterpiece is something that is done with a, 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 a skill, is done with uh, patience. It's exceptional. Exordin uh, extraordinary, I almost said extraordinary, but extraordinary. And it is something that happens over time. There's a process by which a masterpiece comes to be. And it takes us to our foundational scripture, which is in Ephesians, the second chapter and the 10th verse from the New Living Translation. And it says this, it says, for we are all God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece, that extraordinary, exceptional created work of art that was done and is made through a process. That's us. That's who we are. And today we're going to focus on, as we're going through the book of Ephesians, we're going to be talking about how God is involved in our daily lives and our relationships. And when we honor one another, we honor God. When we honor one another, we honor God. And so we're going to be going into Ephesians, the fifth chapter, starting at the 21st verse. And then we're going to go as far as our timeline and then our goal is to go to the 6th chapter, the ninth verse. We may get there, we may not. Just, just depends, just depends on how many alleys I drive down as we go down through this scripture. Ephesians 5, 21. After we've talked about in Ephesians 5, 1 through 20, we discussed how we are no longer in the darkness. We're no longer... Uh, uh, wrapped up in the sexual immorality and the things that pull us away from the presence of God. But we are the light. We are the example. And we are setting that example to everyone around us. That we are bringing the very presence of God into our circles, into our uh, groups. In every area that we have a level of influence or presence, we are able to bring the light of God. And then after Paul goes through and discusses this, he then says this in Ephesians 5, 21. He says, submitting to one another out of reverence 
for Christ. I want to point out that the word submit or submission uh, means that we are taking our power and willfully giving authority to someone else. That we're surrendering, willfully surrendering our authority to someone else. I know, I, you know, I've been around church for, for a while and it's not, and, and, and we've come to believe that submit means to become subservient to, to be a servant of, but that's not the meaning or the intention of the word because Paul says that we're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul tells us somewhere else that we should be exalting others higher than ourselves so that we should be elevating others above ourselves, not trying to be in charge, not trying to be the authority, but we're mutually interacting with each other, showing privilege, showing uh, love, showing kindness to one another in the same way that we would like to receive it. So submitting to one another out of reverence of Christ. As we said in the beginning, part of our uh, intention is to say that when we honor one another, we honor God. And so as we're submitting to one another, because Jesus said, if you want to be the leader, you have to be the follower. If you want to be first, you have to be last. So quite different than the mentality of the world today, but this is the direction that God has set us up that we would be submitting, willfully surrendering our authority and power to another. Willfully doing that. And then he says, wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So, wives, as you are willfully surrendering your will, your power to the Lord, also do that to your husbands. And as you work through this, as remember, if we do things the Bible way, we get the Bible result. So what we want to do is set up an environment whereby we have established God's presence here where we are. For the husband, 23 says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, what I want to say is God established the man as the head of the union. God did not say that man was better. God did not say man was uh, superior. None of that. Because if you remember, in another part, Paul says 
There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female in the presence of God. That we're all, we're all the same. But God has a hierarchy. He has an authority that he has established. And he says, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So God has put the husband as the authority of the home, the wife is submitted to the husband, and that is the divine uh, hierarchy that he has set up. <coughs> so even though he's in charge, he still has the responsibility of willfully surrendering his authority and power to his wife as his wife willfully surrenders her authority and power to the husband. Because before he divided, before Paul went into the fact of talking about uh, the wife and the husband, talking about this order in the household, he said that we submit one to another. We submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. So it's not that somebody's just trying to take over and be in charge and all. That's not how God set this thing up to be. He set it up so that there is a divine. He said there's got to be some order in how this is set up. So the man, the husband, is the head. The wife is uh, uh, submitted unto him. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't have a say. It doesn't, it doesn't mean any other things that you may have heard before. It just means that she is willfully pulling back her power and providing insight, input into the decision of the husband because he's the authority. He is the one that God has made responsible. Yeah, authority just don't mean you're in charge. Authority means you're also responsible. So, it says, now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. We, the church should not want to only follow Christ in certain areas. The church should have the desire to want all aspects of their functionality to fall under the authority of Christ. And so this is the same situation that he's saying, as the, using this analogy, he's saying, all right, so husbands, you're the head, wives, you're submitted in everything to your husband. Now, where we can run into some traction or some friction is the word I should be using, some friction is when the husband is not operating properly in his authority. He has taken his authority and tried to make it anarchy. I know both of them start with A, but one means that you're responsible. The other means that no one's responsible, no one's in control, everyone does what they want to do. Some men don't want to be in charge 
Some men totally want to be in charge, but they don't want to listen to who God put into their lives to help them to become successful along this journey of life. So we have to balance this. So the wives, he says, submit yourselves in everything, not, not just, you know, let's say, not just the finances, that, not just the children, not just, he's saying in everything, willfully surrender your power to the responsibility of the husband. Now, I already know some women are going to say, but what if he's not doing right? What if he, then we go to his superior. There's a scripture which I, it, it came to my mind and it just jumped out, but um, it says that the heart of the king or the heart of the authority is in the Lord's hand. And the Lord can maneuver him as he wants. So instead of us fighting, trying to maneuver and get into position, how about if we in prayer and in uh, reading of our word, we understand how God has set up this authority and we say, God, you set up this authority. So I am saying that this is not functioning appropriately in my household. I need your assistance to cause this to function the way that you've created it to function. But what that does not mean is that we stop being in our position. And I'm not, I'm, because women are first, that's why we're talking about this. But I just want you to understand that is that if you try to do God's part, it only causes this to become more complicated. But if you step back, and as in 1 Peter 3, by your wise con uh, conversation, by your conduct, you bring in the Spirit of God to cause your husband to desire to be godly responsible by taking the position that God has given to him and operating in that, it changes everything. It causes things to fall into order. And when things fall into order, God's blessings show up because when things are in order, there's unity. And where there's unity, God says, I command my blessings. Let's continue on. So now, so we did 22, 23, and 24, right? That was all talking about the women. But now Paul changes. He goes now, he goes into 25. He says, husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. One of the things I pulled out of that that, that always resounds in my mind is that Christ knew what his purpose was. His purpose was to fulfill the will of the Father. That was his purpose. And the will of the Father was to reconcile us back to man. I mean, back to him. So he knew what his purpose was. And his purpose was to reconcile us back to the Father. So it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Not only did he love the church, not only did he have this 
unconditional love for the church, but he gave up his life for the church. Now, very quickly, let's jump to something real quick. The Bible says that Jesus asked God, can we do this a different way? In the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that he was going through this frustration, this, this, this knowing what he was going to have to go through. And he asked God, is there another way that this can be done? He said, but nevertheless, not what I want to do, but I want to do what you sent me to do. I want to do what you have willed me to do. That's what I'm going to do. And so he reconciled us back to the Father because of his desire to walk in the purpose for which he came. So let's transfer the analogy back to the husband-wife relationship. So it says, husbands, love your wives just like Christ loved the church and was willing. And he, Christ, gave up. Husbands, are you willing to do whatever it takes in order for your wife to be all that God has designed for her to be? Bible says greater love have no man than this that he would lay down his life for a friend but a, exceeding a friend someone that you have come into covenant with are you willing to be the head or the spear are you willing to be the point are you willing to take on the responsibility of being the one responsible I'm kind of slow playing this because I want it to sink in. Because if we know each other's position and each other's roles, we can get under divine order. And once we're under divine order, we can move in unity. And again, if you move in unity, God commands his blessings upon unity. So if we walk in unity, God as a husband and wife, and we're in the proper position, not only does God bless us, he also causes us to be an example to help others to achieve what he has designed. He says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. So he says, husbands, you got to love your wife the same way that Christ loved the church. And if you love your wife the same way that Christ loved your church, you will sanctify her, setting her apart causing the things of life not to overcome her, setting her apart and doing that, that you are cleansing her by speaking over her, washing her with the word, speaking words of life into her, doing this, building her up, making her all that God will uh, want her to be. And he says so that she can present herself so that she can be viewed as this woman of virtue and of power. This 
is not only something that she does in herself, it is also because the man is the seed sower. So the things that he says become seeds. The wife is the incubator. And when the seeds fall into her, it causes something to come out. So if these are seeds of righteousness, of peace, of, of holiness, then that's what begins to come out of her because that is the environment that is designed and created so that she will be without spot or wrinkle that there will not be any issues that she will be clean and that she will be holy and without blemish that she will be complete because of the husband speaking words of life to her and then Paul because see I, the reason I believe the reason Paul said when wise I want you to submit to your husband's Submit to the authority that God has given the husbands. Now, husbands, this is everything that you need to be doing. This is how Paul's working this out. He says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Now, I'm, I know some folks are saying, <laughs> looking at some men are saying, well, the way he's looking, it don't look like he loves his body. Well, he may be overweight or he may not be overweight or he may have some issues with the physical body but there is no not too many men who will not do what they want for themselves if it's if if they like football they're going to make sure that they position themselves so they can see football like baseball, they position themselves so they can do, they're going to position themselves so they can do what they want. And so Paul is saying in the same way that you take care of your bodies in that manner, he said you should be doing the same thing for your wife, that you should know your wife well enough that you should be able to position her so that she can have the things that she desires, she can operate in the way that is holy and righteous so that you are showing her that you love her and you love the things that uh, she desires to do as much as you love yourself. It says, he who loves his wife loves himself. Now, I do want to stop for a quick second, really quick, because this, this runs through my mind. Love is not a noun. It's not a person, place, or thing. Love is a verb. It is action. And so how you treat your wife shows or reveals how much you love yourself. Because traditionally, when the wife becomes the wife, she takes upon herself the name of the husband. And so she becomes a part of the husband, becomes a part of the husband's legacy and name. And so if the wife is being treated as the queen of the family, remember, you can't have a queen if you don't have a king. So and if you want to be the king, you treat your life like, wife like a queen. And guess what happens? Everything falls into place. So my point is, so just like you love yourself and just this is how this lines everyone 
up. And so Paul says in 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. We should be speaking life into our wife. You need to write that down. Speak life into your wife. She's the bestest. She's the greatest. She is the most awesomest. She has put, put all the ESTs on everything you can think of. There's a story, real quick story, of a man who uh, would complain to his wife about not reconciling the checkbook and they having bounce checks and all this other stuff. And so I know some of y'all don't know what checks are, but just stay with me. But anyway, so he changed how he did business. He said, the next month he came in, he said, hey, he said, babe, I saw that you had reconciled the checkbook and guess what? You were only one penny off. That is great. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm glad that you're working this out. I'm glad that you're getting it. And so as time went on, she began to pay more attention to it. And then the next thing you know, the checkbook was balancing. And then they were able to have savings. And then because he was speaking life-giving words to her, and so because he was giving her life, she was able to achieve what it was. Instead of going and complaining and talking about she couldn't balance and she couldn't, she must have forgot how to do subtraction and addition and all this other stuff, putting these seeds of doubt and worry and fear into her, he started speaking words of encouragement and hope and it changed the whole environment. If you have read your Bible, the Bible says that Adam was given, the man, the husband, was given the responsibility of naming all the animals. And what he called them, that's what they were. I believe even today that God, because we are the, uh, the husband is the position of authority, the things that he speaks out over his family is what they become. I'll let that sink in for a second. What a man speaks out over his family is what they become. This is why it is a hard point when the father is not present in the home, not present in the life of his children. Because the father has the power of declaration over his legacy. And if he does not perform what he was purposed to do, it causes complications presently and in the future. Let me continue on. He says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. 
Then he goes and says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Remember, I was saying how traditionally that the wife no longer has her name. Her name becomes her husband's name. And they are one. And he is responsible for the welfare of that wife. He's responsible for the flourishing of that wife. He is responsible for creating an environment whereby the wife can function in the God-given design so that the house will flourish. Then, he's, then Paul goes on and says, this mystery is profound how God set this up. It, it, we, we don't understand it unless we get the revelation. A mystery is only a mystery when we don't know the reason why. But now Paul's extending, he said, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. It's giving our backdrop, it says, a family is an example of how Christ and the church should be interacting. The church should be submitted to the authority of Christ. And Christ will be submitted to the church to help the church to go in the direction that he has called for it to go. And so as we go forward and as we move into the position that God has called for us to, we realize that in him, we can achieve all that we can achieve because Christ has done everything for us. He has positioned everything for us. But he was saying the family is the example of how authority works in the church. So if we understand how authority works, should work in the family, so when we get to the church, there should not be any issue because we understand how everything functions. Isn't that something? How God does that? How he has set it up so that we could do it in the way that he has designed for it to be done. And then he says, he says, <clears throat> however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And then he goes back and says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now let me dance on this for just a moment. Remember what I said. Love is a verb, not a noun. Husband, the wife needs to know that you love her. Not that you say you love her but the actions need to show that you love her. That you are putting her first. That she's greater than your career, she's greater than your friends, that she's greater than anything else on this earth. She is the most important thing to you. When you do that, it says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Another word for respect is honor. 
a person, a man, especially a man, because we love to be esteemed. We, we had that thing called self-esteem. Yes, sir, we got it, we got it in loads. And as she shows honor and respect to her husband, he shows her love. It causes both of them to flourish because as he puts love into her, builds her up, that she will honor him and respect him because he's putting love and showing love, reflecting love, and it becomes this continuous cycle that happens in the lives of a couple. If you ask a couple that's been married for some amount of time, and you ask them, a couple, let's say a couple that's been married for two years compared to a couple that's been married for 20 years. And you ask a couple, the couple that's been married two years says, how do y'all get over the fact that uh, he likes to, he likes to uh, squeeze the toothpaste from the middle and I like to squeeze it from the bottom? And the couple that's been married for 20 years will say, well, buy two tubes of toothpaste or it's not worth getting upset about. The revelation that comes from that is they have, the 20 year couple have been through some things and so they have learned to begin to meld together and to operate in the authority and under the direction of the word of God and they realize that a tube of toothpaste, if it's gonna be an issue, it shouldn't be. There are bigger issues to have to deal with. And because I know he loves me this much and I respect him that much, that that's not nothing that we're going to be up in arms about. But as we progress, just as becoming a masterpiece, it's a progress. That's the same thing as in understanding this authority. And so as we walk through that, I'm going to go ahead and Finish this up. And next it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Show respect to your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So now Paul, he, he's done the wise, then he does the husband's, a lot on the husbands, then he jumps onto the children and says, listen, even if your parents are not totally operating in the alignment that God says, you still are responsible for showing them honor. You are still responsible for doing that so that you have long life upon the earth. Then he comes back and he says, fathers, remember, fathers are the ones that declare, the, that, the ones that name. Fathers are the ones that, that do this. And God says, whatever Adam named the thing, it was so. And so he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not do things that cause your children to be frustrated. Do not say things that cause them to be uh, disillusioned and feeling that they're inferior. He says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Do, you know, like integrity, like kindness, like love. Bring them up in those environments. 
not an environment of you speak down to people, you treat people that, as if they're less than you. you. That's not how we function. We function as empowerment people, people that speak life to others so that they can become better, feel like they are better, that they have been in your presence than if they were not. And then he goes on and he says, bond servants. A bond servant was a person who owed somebody else money and because they couldn't pay him back, they would go into a position of servitude for that person in order to make the money in order to pay that person back. So bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, that he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. So what he's saying is, if I may modernize this a little bit, employees. Be a good employee and not just for the boss, but because being a good employee is the right thing to do. Doing the right things as an employee. Serving the organization that you work for, giving them 100%, 100, uh, you know, 100% of the time. And as you do this, the work that you do, do it as you are doing it for Jesus directly. And that will cause you to be in the right position as an employee. But don't, don't, don't get it twisted now. Don't forget about it because the last thing he says is, Masters, you do the same to them. Don't be, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there's no partiality with him. Just because you're the boss on earth, in heaven you're not the boss. So we should be submitting to one another. Knowing that he, the boss, will make the final decision, but he should also be uh, sometimes willfully surrendering his authority and power to listen to his employees so that he can further the company, just like the employee should willfully surrender his power and authority to the boss so that he can make his wages. And we're doing this as an example of how we surrender our power and authority because God has given us the, the ability to make our decisions. And we call that free choice. We can choose not to do God's part. But God says, if you choose to do it my way, you are going to get what I said you're going to get. So, through all this, I just wanted to drop it on you, the fact that Paul is talking about the power of the relationship. He talks about, you know, husband and wives. He's talking about the father and the children. He, I mean, employers, employees. I mean, he's, he's laying it all out how our earthly relationships also has an ability to show honor to God. So as we worship, I mean, as we honor one another, we honor God. As we show respect one to another, we show our respect 
to God and how his word is true in our lives. And we don't want to be operating in a mindset of hypocrisy where we are acting one way out in public and doing another way in the household because it affects your legacy. There, is, there was a survey that said that uh, most teenagers drop out of church between the ages of 17 and 19. But a lot of times, the ones that come back was because of the environment that they grew up in. If it was an environment that was showing love, respect, and doing the things God's way, then they traditionally came back. But if it was one way in public, another way behind closed doors, then they usually did not return. And so we have to acknowledge the fact that God set this up in such a way that it doesn't make anyone better than anyone else. But in order for there to be order, a hierarchy has to be set up. So husbands, you are the head. Wives, you are the uh, body. And uh, the whole responsibility for this configuration is for the legacy or the children to be brought up into the, in, in the admonition of the Lord and the children to be brought up in, in, as they're being brought up in the admonition of the Lord have a responsibility to show honor to the parents even forever and ever. Amen. So all this is done by God's divine plan. Not saying that anybody is anything better than anybody else. But he set it up, and that's the way it is. And instead of kicking against it, if you fall into the stream of it, it causes unity. And as I kept saying before, where there is unity, God commends his blessing. I want to encourage you today to begin to position yourselves so that you, as a husband and wife, as the children, can begin to receive an overflow of blessings in your family. As you individually are honoring God, as you're showing your love toward God, you're honoring one another, doing it in the way that God says to do it, he will begin to pour out his blessings upon you so that his word can be made manifest, can begin to appear into your lives. I know there's some people out there that, uh, that are single parents, and they are going through some situations. But what I want to tell you as a single parent is that you still, especially for you single mothers, there is still a need for some type of male 
influence in your and your children's lives. And I know some, sometimes it cannot be the father, but there has to be someone that you can trust and that you can say, I need someone to be uh, a covering over our family to pray for us and to, to whether it's your pastor, whether it's uh, another male family member, someone at that, because God has given the man, the male, the declaration, and then his words are seeds, and those seeds grow up and become whatever they were declared to be. And so we have to be cognizant of that and we have to watch out for that. And I also want to acknowledge the fact that if your spouse is not saved, they do not call Jesus their Lord and Savior, that does not exclude you from following the word of God. But what it does or what it should cause you to do if you are the one, since you are the one that is saved is to begin to intercede for them to cause their mindset to change and for them to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. I would tell you to read 1 Peter, the third chapter, and it tells you that the wife can change the environment by her conversation, that the husband can change his environment by the love that he shows toward his wife. Remember, love is not a noun. It is a verb. And then that becomes the backdrop for the children to know what and how to follow. I know that something was said today was a blessing to you, an encouragement to you. And I just want you to grab hold of it this week as you're listening to the playlist for this week, meditating upon this word that was declared, we're believing God's best for you. And if you happen to be the one that does not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is that day. If you want to be in the right position for what God has for you, the first step is to be in right standing with God. In order to do that, you need to accept Christ into your life. And that is done simply by confessing that he is the Lord and that God raised him from the dead for the purpose of your forgiveness of sin. And if you make that declaration today, whether you're male or female, and you confess that today, the Bible says that you shall be saved. The scripture says it like this. If you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. It says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that is our heartfelt desire for you, is that you will make Christ the head of your life. And that you will follow Christ, as Paul said. That you will look at Christ as that example. And because you're looking at Christ as that example, he's leading you as the man to be an example. He's leading you as the wife to be the example. And that your children will follow after Christ 
just like you do. Choose him today. And if you have chosen him today, please let us know so that we can follow up with you and provide you for, with additional information whereby you can be uh, progressed, assisted in this journey. That's all that we have for today. God's blessings be upon you. And we pray that this will be one of your best weeks ever in Jesus name.